Our scripture reading today is from Luke 12, 32 through 34. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Mary Linda, for reading that passage for us this morning. Again, if we haven't met, I'm Russ Ramsey. I'm the pastor here at Christ Pres Cool Springs. A couple times a year, maybe about four times a year, we, we, uh, when we finished a sermon series and we're getting ready to start a new one, we have a, a kind of a Sunday for a, a standalone topic. And sometimes the topics are kind of prescribed in, in advance, like we're going to have our Vision Sunday coming up in, in, uh, in the beginning of September, and we'll, we'll kind of talk about the mission of the church. But, but this is one of those Sundays where I got to pick a topic. So you know what I picked? Money. We're going to talk about money today. It's an important topic. Um, and the reason I want to talk about money is because, well, let me give you a, a few reasons why this is a topic that, that is important for a church to discuss. Now, admittedly, as a, as a preacher, launching into a sermon on the topic of money, I can get in my head a little bit. Um, because it's a little, there's a little bit of a cartoon, cartoonish idea, right, that all preachers ever want to talk about is money. If you've, if you've been here, you know that's not our, our way. You know that this is not a topic that we talk about on the regular, certainly never with a heavy hand. Um, but it, it, is, it is a topic that matters, and, and let me give you a few reasons for that. One is it's, it's a topic that Jesus himself talked about a lot. Um, in fact, more than almost any other topic, about 25% of his teaching had something to do with either money or wealth or possessions. So this was a part of the way that Jesus talked about, uh, the way that Jesus taught. Uh, the second thing to notice is that it's, it's a relevant topic for everybody. Um, it's relevant because the chances are good that a lot of money is going to pass through your hands over the course of your life. Uh, and it's the image that I like to use when I talk about this is it's a little bit like a river that, that flows through your life and you have um, the opportunity to channel it, to direct where it goes. It's going to come in, it's going to go out, you know, and, and you'll, you'll have the ability to play a role in that, which is what I really want to talk about today. Um, so, you know, it'll come in. For every bonus at work you get, there's going to be a refrigerator that needs to get replaced, right? There, there's this kind of way that it works, at least the way that it's worked in our lives. And so it's going to flow through your life. Sometimes it's going to be a trickle. Sometimes it's going to be, maybe it's going to feel a little bit more like rapids. Um, but the fact is, all of us live in a culture of currency. We all are people who use money. We all, this is, I think, a key thing, is that we all have financial selves, who we are in, in relationship to money. And when the Bible talks about it, when, the Bible, when Scripture talks about money and wealth, it's never just talking about money and wealth. It's talking about who we are. 
It's talking about our affections. It's talking about our worship. It's talking about our idols. It's talking about the things that we trust in to sustain us. So it's relevant for everybody here. The third thing I just want to say here at the beginning is this sermon is not a trick. It's not a bait and switch. I'm not trying to get anybody to give anything more to this church. That's not the point of the sermon at all. In fact, I believe that when it comes to financial provision, that all of us, we've only ever had one provider. If you've been around me talking about money, I say that every time. You've only ever had one provider. I've only ever had one provider. In every season of life for this church, the Lord has given us what we need, and he's done it through your generosity, and we've seen this church grow over time, and it's been an amazing thing to be a part of and to witness. We always have room to grow, but the point of this message is to help us think about this money that flows like a river through our lives. What I want to talk about today is the goodness of money. Um, there are plenty of passages that we could bring to the surface to talk about the problems and the evils of money, the temptations of money. Those are all important. Um, but what I want to focus on really is the goodness of money. Um, from Jesus' words to this crowd, he says, he talks about money and provision in ways that help us understand the goodness of God. Mary Linda just read the passage. I'm going to read it again just to keep it in front of us to repeat for the sake of, of getting it. Uh, but it says this, Jesus says this. He says, fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that don't grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that doesn't fail, where no, no thief approaches, no moths destroy. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me pray. Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear from you, that you would help us to see your posture toward us when it comes to provision, and that we would hold it all with a very open hand uh, as it moves us deeper and closer to your affection for us. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So, as I was looking at this passage and kind of taking it apart, one of the things that I do when I'm putting together a sermon is I ask the Lord, what would you have me say to this room of people about this passage of Scripture? And sometimes I feel like the Lord leads me in really clear ways. And other times, I, I, it's a struggle. It's a struggle up till, up till Sunday morning and even into the sermon where I'm like, oh, I don't know, Lord, I don't know what you're doing here. With this particular passage, I found myself getting kind of agitated. I could feel it in my shoulders a little bit, that it was, there was something bothering me about this passage. And I realized that it really had to do with that first verse, fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I got stuck on that. The reason I got stuck on this is because I realized that in more ways than I care to admit, I struggle to believe it's true. What does it say? It's this. Jesus, Jesus is saying, it is the Father's good pleasure to give us what we need. Like he likes doing that. 
That's either true or it's not. God is either someone who delights, loves to give us what we need, or he doesn't. And I don't know what your image of God is in your mind when it comes to that. But Jesus is laying down a, a, a test for us to examine who do I think God is in his posture toward me? It's God's good pleasure to give us what we need. This is true, of course, about more than money, right? What he has given you in your life is what you need. And he has been pleased to give it to you. Even when we may not be pleased to receive what it is that he's given us, he's saying, no, what I'm giving you is good. What I'm giving you is good. You may not feel like it, but it's good. There's so much we just can't understand about our lives that is so clear to him. And it is the reason why he gives us what he does. And so there are things in our lives that, that sting, that, that hurt, things he gives us from a posture of kindness. And we just don't understand why are you giving me this? The promise of scripture is one day we're going to understand. One day we'll see with the kind of clarity that he has. But here, Jesus is talking about material possessions. He's just talking about provision. He says, fear not, little flock. And there's affection in those words, right? Fear not, little flock. These words are to those who are fearful and in need of care, the little flock. The little flock in need of care. Right now at our house, we have these birds that have made a nest above our garage and there are three babies that in the in the uh listen i'm not an expert in how birds mature but i would place them somewhere around sixth grade these babies now because they fly they have an attitude and they and they but what what what's happened is there's a there's a mama bird but then there's also some other adult birds of the same species and they all dive bomb us every time we walk out of our garage they fly right you can feel them they don't touch you but you can feel like their wings and they yell at you right when they get right over your head and there's like four of them that just kind of circle around when we get close to this nest and they just fly in and they they're they're telling me i know what they're telling me they're telling me this is not your house anymore you need to leave clear out for a while we, we've got it here little flock that's what those birds are doing is they're protecting their little flock these little babies that are learning how to fly, that are learning how to make their way. Jesus says, don't fear, little flock. These are words to the fearful, those in need of care. In your fragile estate, God is taking care of you. He's providing for you. Good, because we need him to do this. And Jesus says, don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of how God is going to provide for you, because he's going to provide for you in the way that God does in a way that's loving, in a way that's kind, in a way that's wise and knowing. And the next thing Jesus says is, is he says that God actually takes pleasure in this. He delights in this. He wants to do this. God takes pleasure in giving us what we need. And it's on that basis that we shouldn't fear. The reason you shouldn't fear about what you need and what God is going to provide is because God likes to take care of us. So you don't have to worry. Providing for you 
has so much more to do with his joy than your need. So what should we do with the fear that we get then? Jesus says, trust your father. Trust your father. He knows what we need, and he will give it according to his infinite wisdom and his infinite timing and joy. So, do you believe this? Here's the question. Do you believe that God takes joy in caring for you? Let me complicate it a little bit. Here's the thing about not believing that God takes joy in providing for you. If you don't believe that God takes joy in providing for you, it's because you believe something that contradicts that. It doesn't match up with what you actually do believe. So for me to disbelieve that God loves to provide for me means I believe something that contradicts it. When I worry about money, what am I believing actively instead? And suddenly we're wading into some kind of deep theological waters here, right? Because if I don't believe that God delights to care for me, then that view of, if you want to call it a view of money or a view of provision, it's more than that, isn't it? it, it it's all of a sudden now a view about myself. It's a view of what I think about God. Right? Do I think that he provides miserly? Do I think that he provides in a begrudging kind of way? Do I think that he doesn't have enough to go around? What is it that I believe instead? Here's the good news. <clears throat> the good news is God doesn't need you to believe in his goodness in order for him to be good to you. He's good to you anyway. He's kind. He's good all the time. So he doesn't need you to believe this about him for him to be good. But my struggle gets us really to this first good thing about money. And it's this. We've been kind of talking around it, but I'm going to talk about two, two, things, two good things about money. The first is this. Money illuminates what we truly think about God's character. And it does it in a very pragmatic way, almost a very clinical way. Like, like, like emotion has been kind of taken out of it and there's just data you can look at. And you can say, okay, I believe a lot of things, but when it comes to like just provision in my life, what, what does my just natural posture toward all of that reveal about what I think about God and his character? Because here's the thing. If I have pages of scripture, if we have pages of scripture filled with story after story after story about how God provides for his people, about how he knows what we need and delights to give it to us, and how life itself is a gift that is meant to bring eternal glory to his holy name, and yet I worry about making ends meet. That fear over money shows me that I have some treasure that is lying someplace else apart from delighting in a God that I believe will take care of me. And that's good when it shows us that because it helps me see what's actually true in my heart. It's a grace that the Lord would give us to say, ah, I know you say that you love me and you trust me. But when your refrigerator breaks, you become an atheist. <laughs> right? 
Like, I'll give myself all kinds of credit in what I believe about things that are a little bit more abstract, like life after death and presence in his eternal glory. But when the refrigerator goes out, I don't even know who he is anymore, right? Jesus, when he talks about money, he says money works one of two ways. It's either your master or it's a servant. And it can't be both. And so that gets to what is the power I give it? What's the power I ascribe to money? Because the power that I ascribe to money reveals which role it holds in my life. Let's talk about money as a master. If money is my master, what happens? What happens when I'm not trusting God to provide for me and I'm actually looking to money instead to just be, the, be, be what is my provision? When we don't trust God to provide, then money works as a God over us. And this is what Jesus was saying when he said you can't serve two masters, both God and money, because what's going to happen? You're going to end up loving one, and you're going to end up hating the other. When we don't trust God, all of our financial decisions will be aimed at trying to secure things. My financial decisions will be aimed at trying to nail something down, whether it's a rush of a feeling in a moment or it's stockpiling reserves so that when the worst comes you still know that you're safe when we don't trust God all of our financial decisions are going to be aimed at securing for ourselves things that God has already promised to give us when money is our God even our generosity gets corrupted Right? We give not for the sake of others, but we give out of guilt. Because how it would look if we didn't. Or we give because we want to look a certain way before others. Or even in some corrupted sense of karma, we give in order to get something back. When we serve money, we reduce our lives down to things like net worth. People will actually say to one another, what are you worth? Meaning like how much, what's your net worth? There was, do you guys remember Parade Magazine? Parade Magazine was a magazine that, you guys remember the Sunday paper? <laughs> if you don't remember the Sunday paper, you've never heard of Parade Magazine. It used to come in the Sunday paper. And they always used to have a net worth issue. Where on the cover would be all these different celebrities and also all these different professions and they would just tell you what people made, right? And so some of it was like, Tiger Woods or, or you know, uh, Michael Jordan or who else from the days of print. Um, but then they would also tell you, like, this is what a nurse makes and this is what a lawyer makes and this is what a middle school janitor makes. And what are we all doing when we're looking at that magazine? We're trying to figure out where we are in the grand scheme of things, right? Am I ahead of... The janitor? Am I ever going to get anywhere near the attorney without becoming one? Like, we would do that. Why? Why? We're trying to figure out where we rank. When money is a master, that's what we do. We store treasure that won't last while making money do something that only God can do, and that is tell us who we are. But when money is the servant, ah, it gets good. 
How does money work when we trust God to provide for us? When we trust God, we see this river of money flowing through our lives and it's a sacred privilege to us. We say, it's gonna come in, it's gonna go out. I don't have a lot of control over that. Sometimes it's a rushing torrent, sometimes it's just a dry stream bed, but sometimes we make more, other times we make less, sometimes we make good choices, sometimes we make choices that aren't as good. But in the end, it's all gonna be a wash, right? It's just gonna flow through you and it will be as hard to hold on to as the wind. And so we should put the money that comes to us to use. And that leads to the second good thing about money. And that is God uses it to push back the darkness in the world. When I trust God as my only provider, I recognize that the money that comes my way, it can't give me life, but neither can it take my life. And so then I can see it as currency, as a current, as currency, as something that's good for the time being, like monopoly money. And I'm the top hat. I'm always the top hat. You can't be the top hat. It has value, right? The money has value when the game is being played, and in the end, everything goes back in the box, including me. When I trust God to provide, I'm free to ask the Lord then, oh, what would you have me do with it? What would you have me do? Who would you have me be? What would you have me do as a person through whom this river of money runs? And this is where money can be of great good because we're free to pray, Lord, let my treasure in life be found in what you love. Let's have some fun with this. I've known people, some of you in this room are foster parents or you've been in the foster program where you've taken in foster kids. Money is one of those things, for example, that through foster parenting can push back the darkness. My parents did this. It can push back the darkness and be a way to make a God-honoring, safe home for those that the Lord brings under your roof. There's so many other ways that the Lord uses resources. And I'm not talking about mountains of wealth. I'm just talking about the resources we have to push back the darkness. And then he lets us get to be a part of it. And that's a gift. And he's pleased to do that. I want to end by just giving a personal, my personal testimony very briefly about money and the goodness of money, and the provision of God and his pleasure here. Because I think about this a lot. We talk about this a lot. Lisa and I talk about the Lord's provision in our lives. God wants us to see not only our need for him, but also his goodness. And so here's, here's the testimony I can give that's true. We've been married for 28 years. And I have come up with many ways over the years to worry about money. I've been creative. But here's the truth. Never, ever, in 28 years of marriage have we not been provided for. Never. Now, we've had lean times, very lean times. Those seem like they were always really important for the shaping of our hearts. 
We've had seasons where we didn't know how we would make ends meet, but God always provided, sometimes much later than we hoped that he would, or provided for us in ways that we didn't prefer, or provided, us, provided for us in ways where we had to let certain things go rather than see things come in, but he's always provided. And to try to say anything else just wouldn't be true. When I look back, it's the only conclusion that I can draw is that God has always provided for us. So on what basis should I fear that next year he won't? When all he has ever done is provide for us. You can't talk about money from a biblical perspective without talking about God and without talking about what you believe about his character. He's either good and able to provide for you or he isn't. In his goodness, he will provide for you in particular ways and they may not be the ways that you would want. But he's either good and able to provide for you or he isn't. And he either does this because it is his good pleasure or for some other reason. And so I would leave us with this question. What does the issue of money expose about what you truly believe about God's posture toward you? What's his posture toward you? Because Jesus says, fear not, little flock. It's his good pleasure. He likes it. He likes giving you what you need. Do you believe that he provides for you out of his joy? Ask him to show you your own heart in this. But also ask him to show you his heart in this. Because what Jesus is saying is true. And it's true whether we believe it or not. God's posture toward you is one of delight in taking care of you. So fear not, little flock, because it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you that when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to this faith, that you do not ask us to compartmentalize and tease out the way that this faith intersects with the spiritual and the way that this faith intersects with the physical, but that it's all together, that you care for us as whole people with lives here and now. Yes, you, you attend to our eternal souls. Yes, you give us what we need for a relationship with you forever through the sacrifice of your son. And yes, you also call us to live in a world where we have responsibilities and we have bills and we and we have resources that come into our lives and go out of it lord would you help us particularly for those who 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 lose hours and days worrying about provision um lord would 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 you impress upon us that your provision in our lives is not something you do grudgingly, but is something you do out of affection for us because you love us, it's your delight. And so then, Lord, would you give us open hands to receive from you in the way that you give. 
Uh, and we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.